Father, we thank you that you loved us in such a way that you allow us to gather in this place and in the virtual space to lift up your holy name. God, we're grateful today that we get to celebrate who you are and what you've done on our behalf. This joy that we have, the world didn't give it to us. We didn't find it on Amazon. We didn't go thrifting and find it. It is the gift of God. And so, Father, we thank you for all your love and all your grace and all your peace for the hope that is ours in Jesus. Father, thank you for every song that's been sung today, for your word that's been read into our hearing, for every bit of ministry that has taken place today. Father, we come now to preaching time, and I ask you for preaching power, that your word might be light and life for us, God. Pray for every brother and sister in this room, every brother and sister watching online, and all who will come to see this recording in the days, months, and even years to come, God, that you will heal our hearts, lift our spirits, grow us in the people, into the people of God you've called us to be. Father, we love you, and we're especially grateful at this time of year to know that you loved us first. Be with us now and in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. 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 Sanctuary family, can you put your hands together? Help me thank God for our worship team, our band, for these incredible dancers, for the sanctuary choir. Y'all keep messing around. We're going to have a choir every Sunday. Start talking about first giving honor to God, who is the head of my life. It it really is such a joy uh, to be with you today and to have this opportunity to take a few moments and to look at God's word together. They put me on a time restriction, and I'm going to try to be obedient to that in the same way that, nope, I'm not going to take my time. That's not what I'm going to do today. (laughs) Come back in a few weeks, and I'll I'll take that advice. But today, though, I do want to jump right into God's Word. If if I haven't had the chance to uh, get to meet you, if this is your first time or second time, uh, my name is Edrin, lead pastor here at the sanctuary. I am so grateful that you are with us, and I pray that this service will be a blessing to you, that it already has been a blessing to you, and will continue to be a blessing to you as we continue forward. I, I want to say thank you to our chair of our elder board, Elder Rosemary, for reading God's word into our hearing this morning. I loved uh, when she would stop and put a little Mama Rosemary on it, um, the Rosemary Standard Version, um, the Queen Mother Standard Version is what I, I will call that. Uh, it, it really is. I, I love when, when I see people enjoying God's Word. Um, it is such a, a gift to us. And so we get to look together again today at uh, the, the story of the birth of Jesus as found in Luke chapter 2. And because I, I don't have as much time as I normally do this morning, I, I want to jump right in and share with us that we in this season of Christmas have three invitations. 
there are three invitations to us as a church body in this Christmas season. And the first invitation that I want to shed a light on this morning is the invitation to remember God's promise of love. Remember God's promise of love. Remembering is important, Sanctuary family, because we will never come to the place of celebrating what we don't know or can't actively recall. I grew up in the low country of South Carolina. You've heard me say before, and we didn't have much as a family, but one of the, the gifts of my family was that at a very early age, they taught us to remember God's promise of love. They instilled in us a knowledge of who God is and what God has done on our behalf. And one of the ways my family did that was that on Christmas morning, before anybody got any food, before one present was opened, we sat together as a family and we read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. It did not matter what else was going on in the world. It did not matter whether it was a good year financially and there were plenty of presents around the tree or if it was a slim year financially and everybody got that big pack of white socks that my grandmother divided amongst us. We started every single Christmas, and my family still does this to this day. It's something I brought into my own family. We start Christmas morning by reading Luke chapter 2. Because remembering God's promise of love leads us to rejoicing. And, and I found in, in these 43 years that I've been alive that life has a way of making us forgetful, y'all. We, we get too distracted and we're tempted to forget who we are. We grow too intellectual and we're tempted to forget who God is. We get too busy or dare I say too successful and we, we're tempted to forget what God has already done for us. We grow too fearful at times and we're tempted to forget what God has promised to do on our behalf. And so good news this morning on Christmas Eve, good news is worth knowing and worth remembering. And at the heart of Christmas is an incredible message of good news. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 11 says this, and there were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. There were shepherds nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. He is the Lord. God has seen the condition of his people. And God promised that he would respond to the needs of his people. And the father's response included sending God the son to earth. But he didn't send him as a mighty warrior. He sends him as a baby born in a manger. God's people needed help. God chooses to send a baby to fix what was broken. That seems, if I'm honest, a little more like a hot mess than a holy moment. Except 
that God had a divine plan. Jesus left his place in eternity. He came to earth as a child. He was placed in a manger, which is a fancy way of saying a feeding trough for animals. And he did that so that you and I might be saved. On that holy night, the king of glory came to earth and he did it because it was the father's will to rescue us. I love how Paul shows us this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Friends, at Christmas, we celebrate the fact that God, who is mighty, made himself small so that we who were weak might be made strong. This is the great reversal. At Christmas, we celebrate the fact that God who is mighty, he made himself small, he made himself weak so that you and I who were weak might be made strong. Jesus' coming into the world is an incredible act of liberation and love, and we get to remember God's love poured out to us through Jesus, and when we remember, only then are we able to rejoice. In the churches I, I grew up in and, and was discipled in, the, the mothers would say it this way, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, I don't sit quietly. I don't write notes and remind myself, maybe I'll say something about it in a few weeks. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. And I thank God for saving me. That's, that's why sanctuary, I keep pushing us on this fact that we're too quiet in the sanctuary. It's not about my ego. It's that I know God's been too good to us. And, and if you're not comfortable, if you're not comfortable making a little noise for yourself, you need to learn to rejoice on behalf of your neighbor. If you knew what God had done in their life, if you know what, what God is bringing them through, even if you don't want to shout for yourself, you ought to lift up holy hands on behalf of the brother or sister sitting next to you. Remember God's promise of love because remembering leads us to rejoicing. And in this season of Christmas, friends, in the midst of everything we've convinced ourselves that we have to do, I want to invite us today to remember God's promise of love. Not only should we remember God's promise of love, we, we should learn to rest in God's promise of love. That's my second point today, rest in God's promise of love. It's an invitation for us in God's word. I've, I've found sanctuary that one of the pitfalls of us, the potential pitfalls of us being a multi-ethnic church is that we, we if we're not careful, we, we can become a head-only church. A head-only church. I'm, I'm going to explain what I mean because I don't need your emails over the next week. When I say we, we, are, we run the risk of becoming a head-only church, what I mean is if we're not careful, 
the gospel will only register here. It becomes another doctrine, more knowledge, something else that puffs us up and convinces us that we're not like those people. If we're not careful, friends, in mixed company, we we run the risk of becoming a head-only church. The invitation for us here at Christmas is to allow the good news of what God has done in the birth of Jesus to go from our head and sink down into our hearts and work itself out through our own entire bodies. See, see I, I love when we look at Luke chapter 1 and 2, I love Sister Mary, the way she receives the good news of Jesus and how she, she rests in the truth of that thing. You see, in in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel, the the messenger angel, comes to Mary, this young girl who's betrothed to a brother named Joseph, and he tells Mary that the Lord is great with you, and he's going to bless you, and he's going to give you a a child, and the the Messiah of the world is going to come into the world through you. Uh, He gives Mary deep insight about what's going on. And so to answer the question of the song, did Mary know? She did, to some extent. I'm not going to throw the song away, though. Y'all can get mad if you want. We're going to sing that song next year because we didn't sing it the last two years. Um, But Mary knew. Mary knew. The angel had already told her some things. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's also great with child. and, and, And something happens, and they mess around and get happy in the moment. And Mary got so happy, she breaks out in a song. That's what we find in Luke chapter 1. It's called Mary's Song. Uh, our, our, our more uh, high church sisters and brothers call it the Magnificat. Uh, and, and this is what Mary says when, when she allows the good news of Jesus coming into the world to go beyond just being a head thing and work its way down into her heart. Mary breaks out in a song and she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. That's, That's not quiet language. Mary rejoices. She breaks out in a song, and then she begins to prophesy all the things that God would do on behalf of his people as Jesus comes into the world. And then we look into Luke chapter 2, the day when Jesus is born, the evening Jesus is born, I want us to see again Mary's response. The time had come, the promise had been realized, Jesus has been born, and how does Mary react? Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 19. The Bible says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She didn't hold it in her head. She allowed it to make its way down into her spirit, into her soul, into her body. Mary rests in the promise of God's love, which means she allowed this this good news of the deliverer coming into the world to go beyond her head, settle down into her body, work itself out into her body. It was physical. It was embodied. It was not just intellectual. Mary learned to rest in God's promise, and you and I, brothers and sisters, have the very same invitation today to learn to rest in God's promise of love. 
And when I talk about resting in God's promise of love, what I'm talking about is learning a little bit of holy waiting and a little bit of holy wandering. Not wandering like being lost, wondering. That, that's my South Carolina getting in the way. Holy waiting and holy wondering. I'm talking about developing a holy imagination. Learning to rest in God's promise of love allows us to sit in the truth of God's promises even when we can't see the fullness of those promises. Friends, I know there's a lot going on in our world right now, but you can learn to rest in God's promise of love. Maybe you took some huge losses this year. Maybe lost some friends. Maybe lost a job. Maybe lost a loved one. But you can still learn to rest in God's promise of love. You thought you'd be farther along in life in that career, in that relationship. You never thought at the beginning of 2023 that you would be starting over again at your age. You thought you'd be doing a bit better right now. But even if your life does not look like what you dreamed it would be, friends, my encouragement today is that you can rest in God's promise of love. And this is something I learned as a kid and I want to I share this, especially because I know we have some young kids in, in the room. I, I want to encourage you, young people, you don't have to be old and gray to learn to rest in God's promise of love. In fact, it's easier for you to have a holy imagination than it is for your parents. There's something about paying bills, <laughs> something about getting up and going to work every day that makes it hard to imagine. But you, as a young person, you have an inside track to developing a holy imagination. When I was a kid in South Carolina, couldn't have been more than seven or eight, I had this practice of, of being out in the country where we lived. We, we lived so far out in the country, we had to drive to get to the country part of the city. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to paint a picture for you. We had... We didn't have a, a traffic light. We had one caution light. And we lived 15 miles outside of that caution light. When I go to my mother's house, even to this day, I have to drive about 15 minutes towards the interstate to get a cell phone reception, any at all. But what I had was space and opportunity. And, and I developed this practice of lying out in the grass, staring up at the sky, and this is me as a small kid trying to imagine how long eternity was. Because my Sunday school teachers told me that we would spend eternity with God. Or we would spend eternity separated from God. And I wanted to try and figure out how long eternity was. And so I would, I would lay out there in that grass and I would just take my mind and go out as far as I could. Ten years. A hundred years. Try to imagine what a thousand years was like. And then I'd always come back to this humbling realization that that was not even scratching the surface of eternity. And it began to change something in my, in my mind and in my spirit. I said, if I'm going to be anywhere that long, I want to be on the good side of it. And that's different than being scared into salvation. I just saw the benefits at a really young age. 
and it changed the trajectory of my life. I believe I'm here today where I am standing on this stage in part because I had time and space to lay out in the grass and try to imagine what eternity would be like. About 10 years ago, I had a chance to speak at a chapel at a ministry called Minnesota Teen Challenge. It's a ministry of substance abuse and alcohol abuse. And I had a chance to speak at the men's chapel. About 300 men gathered in a room about half this size for a weekly chapel. And and I I didn't know quite what to expect. Uh, But I saw men in that room who were broken. You could look at them and tell that life had beat them down. But before I got up to speak, these brothers started to sing. And I don't know if you've ever heard men fighting for their sobriety sing. But it is life-changing. These brothers were singing, and it wasn't just head stuff they were singing. They were singing so that they could make it another day being sober. Many of those brothers lived in the facility, but some went back and forth every day. And they knew that if, I, if it is not for God's power, I'm going to mess this whole thing up today. And they sang with that kind of desperation. And I was sitting in the room and they began to sing a song that I didn't know at the time, but I know it really well now. They began to sing, I can only imagine what it would be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes would see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. And they went to the chorus. It says, surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. And, and, and even now I, I get chills thinking about these brothers pouring out their heart to the Savior to say, Lord, clean me up. Fix me, heal me. And and one of the ways you do that is by allowing me to imagine the beauty of your face, the beauty of resting in your presence. Sanctuary, you don't have to go to addiction recovery to learn to rest in the presence of God. He invites us in this season to learn to rest in the promise of God's love. My final reminder today, and this is going to be a minute one, I promise you. I see the clock. Remember God's promise of love. Rest in God's promise of love. Our final invitation in this season is to retell God's promise of love. Retell God's promise of love. So these same shepherds who heard what was going on in Bethlehem, a choir of angels gather around them and begin to sing, they hurry off into the city to go and see what they had heard about. And they find Mary and Joseph and this baby lying in the manger. And Luke chapter 2 verse 20 says that the shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. These, These shepherds who were rough men, They were not sophisticated men. They were smelly men. They were outcasts. 
they receive the good news. They go and confirm that it is exactly how the angels had said. And they return testifying, singing, and they go and begin evangelizing, telling the story that God has kept God's promise. Friends, here's what I'm trying to say, that the message of God's love as shown to us at the birth of Jesus was and still is a message worth sharing. For God so loved the world, he sent his son into the world to save the world. Why would anybody keep a message like that to themselves? It doesn't make any sense for us to, to go into the nicest store, purchase the most expensive gift, get it gift wrapped in the finest wrap, and then come home and put it in the back of our closet. It doesn't make sense for us once a week to go to that closet, pull that gift out, shake it just to make sure everything's still in it, and then put it back in that closet. That's how some of us treat our faith. That's how some of us treat the good news of Jesus. It's a one day of a week kind of thing. And I want to say in this season, there's an invitation for us, sanctuary, to take out that gift, unwrap it, and share that gift with a world that desperately needs to hear it. I believe that us carrying the good news of Jesus into the world is, is not this big extravagant moment. I'm not calling you to be Billy Graham. Perhaps you will speak to stadiums of people. Perhaps you will one day bring thousands upon thousands to love and know Jesus. But it's more likely that the invitation for you will simply look like you shining your little light everywhere you go. In that little country church I grew up in, far away from the corner of Broadway in Lindale, we used to sing a song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. All in my home, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. The Bible says that the people of God were living in darkness, and into that darkness came a light. There are people in this world right now living in darkness. And you know what the answer to darkness is? It always has been and still is light. God sends us into the world as light in dark places. And in this season, as you're receiving gifts, I want to remind you, that you are also called to be a gift. At this time of year, we have a tradition that allows us to visualize us going into the world and sharing the light of Jesus wherever we go. And so we're going to transition into that now. We call it our candlelight service. And, and we're going to get together. On your way in, you received some candles Pastor Rose and I are going to, in just a moment, we're going to invite you to stand and 
sing together, and then we're going to come down and share the flame with you on the end of each of your rows. And here's what we're asking you to do. It's very simple. Share your light, your flame to the person next to you. That's it. Not the person behind you. I promised the staff that there would be no synthetic wigs harmed in the course of this. And so please, don't turn around with your fire. I'm just asking you, take the flame, share it that way, get back to singing, all right? And friends, you know your kids, right? You know your kids. If little Johnny has a fascination with fire, I'm going to ask you to hold on to his candle, right? 